0: Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today I want us to consider the role of the law of God. Because Paul makes a very interesting statement and one that we need to plummet the depths of in Romans chapter 8, at the beginning portion of that chapter. It reads, For the law of the Spirit of life, but according to the Spirit. Now, This is one of the glorious statements that's found in Paul's letter to the Roman Christians. And on the surface, it seems to be very easy to grasp it, but there's much depth to be plumbed here. And so I want to ask a question. What is it that God has done in Jesus Christ that the law could not do. Because after all, the law came from God. The law is an expression of God's will, of God's character in some respects. And the law is called good, even by Paul in Romans chapter seven. So what is it that the law could not do, that God must do and did do any son Jesus Christ. Well, to answer that question, I've got to ask another question. What can the law do? Because if I don't understand what the law can do, what its purpose is, I'm not going to be able to grasp what Paul is saying when he says that Christ has to handle what the law could not do. Now, I can give you a brief answer what the law couldn't do, okay? The law cannot justify you. The law cannot make you Righteous before God. We'll see why in a minute. And the law cannot sanctify you. It doesn't have any power to make you holy. So that's what the law cannot do. But what is it that the law can do? What is the purpose of the law? Because we need to understand that. So just looking primarily at the Epistle of Romans between Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 8 in these first few verses and maybe a reference to Hebrews 10, I want to just go with you. What the law can can do, what it can accomplish. And one of the first things that Paul says that the law does in Romans chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2 is that the law instructs us. It gives us instruction about the will of God. It tells us what God approves. Now, In talking about the law in Romans 1, the law is never mentioned in law in chapter 1 of Romans. It's introduced in chapter 2 with reference to God giving it to Israel. So that's the law codified. But the law existed in the natural realm of man being created in the image of God before the law was ever given. And the reason we can say that is that there were people who were condemned for various sins that are listed. Therefore, there was a knowledge, some kind of innate natural knowledge of what God looked for in natural man made in his image. In other words, there's a a sense of right and wrong in the conscience of most people in the world and most cultures in the world. But God gave the law, all caps, a capital word, the law, to Israel on Mount Sinai. And it's then spelled out for us in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. What can the law do? Well, the first thing the law can do is to instruct us in a way that God approves. Now, the law given to Israel has a very special function. That is, it not only gives us those principles of ethical behavior that's reflective of man as he has lived as an image-bearer of God in relationship with God and with one another. It gives laws given distinctly to Israel to separate them out from other people. In other words, the law given to Israel functions in a way that sets him apart this is called the Old Covenant. And so when we come to Jesus Christ and his apostles, we read about the New Covenant, which takes place of the Old Covenant, replaces, abolishes the Old Covenant and comes in its stead. What can the law do? It can instruct us. And the second thing is that the law gives knowledge of sin. This is what Paul writes in Romans chapter in verse 18. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, that is to those who were given the law on Mount Sinai, to Israel, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. So you read in Romans 3 before this, a lot of quotations from various Psalms, which condemns all kinds of sin. And Paul says, every mouth, every person commits these kinds of sin. So all the world is guilty before God, is held accountable to God. And then he makes this very strange and strong statement, for by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So there we have statement of the scripture. The law cannot justify before God. But what the law can do is it can give us the knowledge of sin. And he does that because it spells out transgressions. And when we are conscious of these transgressions, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're active sinners, not just passive sinners, but active sinners. Because man breaks God's law and are condemned by it, they stand under his judgment. So the law brings wrath, the just anger of God against lawbreakers. Then in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, and then 20 and 21, we read the following. Death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, that is, before it was given to Israel on the mountain. But sin was not counted where there is no law. What does that mean? Well, men were sinners, and the fact that they're sinners is proven by the fact that they died, beginning with Adam and Eve. Okay, but it means that particular transgressions was not counted because they didn't have that particular knowledge. But death spread to all men because all sin. The law came in, Paul writes in Romans 5.20, to increase the trespass. For where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. The knowledge of sin, the knowledge of God's judgment against sin, and of his just wrath against sinners, is necessary background for us to understand what the grace of God is all about. God's favor to undeserving sinners, to undeserving people, abounds all the more in light... Of the trespasses of sinners. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But this is not a righteousness that we are enabled to work out for ourselves. It's a righteousness given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll get to that later. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God, the donation of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus, Messiah Jesus, our Lord. So the law brings the knowledge of sin. It instructs us in the right way to go. It increases our trespasses because When the law is proclaimed, telling us what we are commanded to do, the sinful nature of man rebels often against this and trespasses it deliberately and willfully, many times undeliberately, but they transgress it time and time again. The law came in to increase the trespass. That's what the scripture says. And the wages that sin pays is death. That's the law of sin and of death. Now, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Jesus Christ from this, the law of sin and death. And Paul goes on in Romans chapter 7. For while we were living in the flesh, that is when we were without The knowledge of God in Jesus Christ, natural man, while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Then Paul says about his own self, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. Now he goes on to explain this because you see, Paul was a very zealous keeper of the law of God. It's given to Israel in the Mosaic Covenant. But there's some aspects of that law that are not able to be externally indicated. And that's the one that caught him. It's the tenth of the Ten Commandments. It's the law of covetousness. For this is what Paul says, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, but when the law came, covetousness was aroused within me, and he knew himself to be a sinner. He also says in Romans 7.10, the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. You see, the law promises life if you never break it. (laughs) The the law promises life if it's never, ever broken, either internally or externally. Now, this is even proven in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you may remember when the rich young ruler came to him seeking to know the way of eternal life. And so Jesus points him to the law because that's what Israel, what the people of the Hebrews would look to. He said, well, what does the law say? Keep the law, keep all the commandments. And the young man, very proud of him, says, when Jesus lists several of those commandments about relationship, the relationship externally from man to man, he proudly announces, I've kept all these from my youth up. I am guiltless before the law. And so then Jesus reveals his sin by saying, Well, then go and sell off all your possessions and then come and follow me. Now what was Jesus doing? Jesus was pointing to the very heart of the law. He was parting to the fact that we are commanded to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And secondly, we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. But what did this young man love? He loved his possessions. He had within him the sin of covetousness. He had within himself the sin of the love of self, the love of possessions. He was a sinner, a lawbreaker, who stood condemned before the law. And though he thought he kept all the law, when Christ pulled back the cover, he realized he wouldn't follow Christ, that he loved his possessions more. And so he went away sorrowful. He wouldn't and could not come the way of the commandments because the commandments cannot say. The commandments tell us what we should do, what we ought to do, They can command us, but they cannot enable us. They can condemn us, but they cannot save us. They can bring us under judgment and wrath, but they cannot deliver from hell. They cannot deliver from wrath. They cannot deliver from the power of sin that reigns in our mortal bodies and in our minds that must be subdued by the living Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to Paul, it proves to be death to all of us. So what can the law do? The law can do all these things. What can it not do? It cannot justify you before God. Why is that? For two reasons. Because if you've ever broken the law in any one point, James tells us you're guilty of all. In other words, you are a lawbreaker. It only takes one sin to make a lawbreaker. And once you've broken the law, you cannot therefore claim to be justified by the law. You stand as a lawbreaker. So man cannot justify himself because he's already in the condition of condemned in Adam, and now he is a lawbreaker by the actual transgressions of the commandments of God. And the law has no ability to make us holy. The law can tell us what the will of God is. In general respects, in reading the Mosaic Law, there are aspects of that we know. It's repeated in the New Testament. And we know those are righteous expectations. And therefore, those are things we ought to do. And by the Spirit of God, we are enabled to do to a certain extent. But we remain in this mortal body until we are released from it, until we are then brought to death and then brought to resurrection. But the law cannot justify and the law cannot sanctify. Therefore, Paul asked the question in Romans chapter 7, 24, who can deliver me from this body of death? He is the answer. Thanks be to God for our Lord Jesus Christ. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. The next time, remember what the law cannot do. It cannot produce in you righteousness and it cannot justify you because you're a lawbreaker. What it can do is point you to the Savior. Flee to him.